So good morning everyone. Uh, you're very welcome to this morning's webinar. Um, my name is Lisa McGreen and I'm a best practice specialist here at HCI. So this morning's webinar is in relation to a summary that we completed of recent HICWA inspection reports. Uh, we have done a number of these webinars previously where we take a sample of recently published HICWA inspection reports. We do some trending and analysis and look at some of the key findings that are coming up. We'll spend about 30, 35 minutes this morning discussing some of these findings and hopefully then they'll provide us with some learning that we can use going forward. Okay, so I'll move on then to the focus of this morning's webinar. Um, we took 25 randomly selected HICWA inspection reports and we identified key areas of interest and looks at the types of findings that were coming up under the regulations. The 25 inspection reports that we looked at, they were all completed between May and August 2023 and they were quite recently published on the HICWA's website there. Before I get into the specific findings that came up under the different regulations, I just wanted to give you a brief overview of the key regulations that are coming up non-compliant. So this table looks at the capacity and capability dimension. Uh, there's a lot of information here, but if we just look first at governance and management there. So of the 25 reports that we reviewed, 24 were inspected against governance and management. This is no surprise that it's looked at in nearly every inspection. And then if you look across there, you can actually see that 63% of these were not compliant orange. This is a very significant number. Every time we do this report, we see high non-compliant findings under governance and management. Regulation 15 staffing and 16 training and staff development there both had some not compliant red findings and we'll go through these shortly. So then in the next slide here, we're looking at the quality and safety dimension. Um, we can see protection there had some not compliant red findings. Again, we'll discuss these later. And then as usual, we can see fire precautions and premises there have a very high number of not compliant findings at 55% of the services inspected against these regulations not compliant. Okay, so that's enough uh, looking at the tables and we'll get look at the specific findings that came up under some of these regulations. So we always start at governance and management here at HCI, not just because it had the highest not compliant findings here with 63% of the services not compliant orange, but it gives us a good indication about why things have gone wrong in the service. So you can see in reports that where a service receives some not compliant findings under other regulations, HICWA will often give them a not compliant over, under governance and management as well, because the oversight of the service has not been sufficient to prevent things from going wrong in these other regulations. So in this first slide, the first few findings here are to do with the management structure in the residential home. So the registered provider had not ensured that there were clear lines of accountability and responsibility. So accountability, responsibility and oversight of key aspects appear to be allocated to both the PIC and the general manager with poor systems in place to escalate the risk then to the registered provider. So it's no surprise really that with two different individuals responsible for something, there was ineffective action being taken to address the risks of the residents. 
the position of clinical nurse manager was vacant since April 2022. So that would have been over a year at the time of the inspection. And the position of general manager had reduced to a part-time position. So then with these positions vacant, there's no one to complete these roles and responsibilities. And then this impacts on the effective governance and oversight of the service. The senior management team had seen a number of changes. The availability and access to the registered provider was limited and the current lines of authority and accountability were not clearly defined. So what happened in this centre is because the lines of authority were not clearly defined and because the access then to registered provider was limited, issues of serious regulatory concern were not being addressed and HICWA was seeing repeat findings during the inspection. So this management structure then clearly is not sufficient to address these risks. The registered provider had not ensured that there was sufficient staffing resources in place to maintain the planned nursing staff levels. So as a result, then nursing management were required to cover the vacant nursing shifts. And of course, then this is going to impact on the effective oversight of the service. Risk management then. So risk management systems were not effectively monitored or implemented and the risk register did not contain the known risks. So use that risk register to show HICWA that you're already aware of the risks and that you're doing something about it. So known risks that are identified in a fire risk assessment or the risks associated with staffing shortages, these need to be detailed on the risk register with actions to mitigate and manage these risks documented and identified. Um, the auditing system then was not effective in identifying deficits and risks in the service. So there were high levels of compliance on the residential centre's own audits, and these did not reflect the inspector's findings. So this is a reoccurring issue for HICWA. So it's not enough for audits just to tick the box and that they're done. It's about the effectiveness and thoroughness of the audits. So the audits need to be at the same standard as a regulatory audit completed by HICWA. HICWA inspectors don't want to be the first people that are seeing these issues. It's a big red flag for them if management don't know the findings that HICWA see. Um, it tells HICWA that the current audits are not sufficient, management aren't aware of what's going on in the service, and then therefore management don't have sufficient oversight then. Uh, the systems of monitoring, evaluating and improving the quality and the safety of service was not effectively implemented. So HICWA found that the improvement plans did not have a time frame for implementation and that they were not subject to progress reviews. So open QIPs, they need to be reviewed regularly at meetings and someone needs to be responsible for that QIP year improvement plan. Sorry, no. Yep, so we'll move on then to training and staff development. 16% not compliant of the 19 assessed against this regulation. And there were some not compliant red findings here under training and staff development. So in this first slide, um, staff did not have access to appropriate training. This comes up every time we do the report and it's actually coming up as a red finding here. The example that HICWA gave was that five staff did not complete their manual handling training. Uh, but they were providing direct patient care. Um, some examples from other reports that came up was that staff were out of date with safeguarding training, infection control training, and fire training was also mentioned. Staff were not appropriately supervised, so staff providing one-to-one -one care to appropriate re to specific residents did not, not know that resident's specific care needs, and there was no other staff member available to supervise or support the staff member when they were caring for that resident. 
So I have a few not compliant orange findings here in relation to training and staff development. So the records showed that the manual handling training was delivered online only. Inspectors then saw staff members using inappropriate manual handling techniques. So this obviously suggests then that the online delivery of manual handling training was not effective here. And then there was an inadequate supervision during mealtimes. So inspectors observed unsafe practice in relation to the support provided to residents with swallowing difficulties. And this was not in line with the residents' care plans and assessments. So again, not enough just to tick a box that staff have completed their mandatory training. Inspectors are not just looking at training records for this regulation. They need to observe that the training is being implemented in everyday practice. And then if it's not, that's a not compliant then under training and staff development. Under regulation 15 staffing, we had more high risk findings under this regulation. So not compliant read the number and skill mix of staff were was not appropriate having regard to the needs of the residents and the size and the layout of the residential center. So inspectors justified this by saying that there was not enough staff in the day room to supervise residents. The only nurse on duty was delayed by only by two hours delivering the medication as they were required to supervise in the dining room. So this obviously isn't safe in respect to medication management as well. Um, and the assistant director of nursing was required to spend over two hours with one resident as they were presenting responsive behaviours and no other staff member was available to support with this. So staffing shortages here were having a direct impact on the quality of care of residents. So that's why it's a high risk finding here. So moving on then to regulation four, written policies and procedures, 30% not compliant of the 10 assessed against this regulation. So 30% not compliance is quite substantial. Um, policies as required under schedule five of the regulations required full review. So inspectors found policies had not been updated at intervals not exceeding three years in line with the regulations. There was no fire safety management policy in place. The medicine policy had not been updated in line with best practice guidance, such as the NMBI medication administration guidance, and some policies and procedures did not have references, so then it could not be determined if that material was in line with best practice and if it was up to date. And then some policies were not center specific, or they contained some generic information that did not inform the staff practice. So one of HICWA's examples for this was that after they read the medication policy in relation to the transcription of medication, they still didn't know if transcription even occurred in the centre. So that policy was not specific to the centre as it wasn't explaining uh, what happens in the centre. Regulation 21 then, records 21% not compliant of the 19 assessed. So this first finding is in relation to GDPR, it always comes up in some way in these reports. So it was noticed that the door to the nurse's office remained open and the resident's documentation was unsecured and there was unauthorized access then to confidential information. In relation to the roster then, the roster did not reflect the full names of the people available on the ground. So the first name of the staff member was used on the roster. And then inspectors also saw that white correction fluid was seen on the roster. Nursing progress notes were inconsistent in detailing residents' health condition and treatment given. So some of the notes were copied from the previous day and did not provide an accurate overview as to the residents' most recent condition and as to how they spent their day. 
So really shortcuts are being taken here and make sure when you're reviewing or auditing resident records that you look at the appropriateness of the specific content being recorded again, rather than just saying, yes, it's there. Um, the next finding I have here then for records is actually relation to medication management records. And it was interesting that they came up as non-compliances here under Regulation 21 records. So more robust oversight was necessary to ensure that medication management records were maintained in line with professional guidance. So inspectors observed the drug control drug evening check was actually signed for in the morning. The drug count that the inspectors counted was actually incorrect when the inspectors checked. Staff administered a controlled drug without the associated frequency of administration of medication as that wasn't detailed on the prescription and medication was not dated upon opening. So some very poor medication management record practices here in this center. Quality and safety dimension then. So I'm gonna start with regulation eight protection. 35 not compliant of the 17 assess here. So 35%, that's quite substantial. Um, I'm sure you're all aware, but there were some very serious concerns around the overall management of residents' finances in one of the centers. And I have just included this finding here. So the residential service did not have a separate resident client account and therefore residents' money, monies were being paid into the current account. So this actually came up in another report as well under not compliant orange, um, but it led to a red risk finding in this center then because the current account contained a sum of money belonging to four residents. And then on review of the records, only one of these residents was actually residing in the residential center. The other three residents were deceased and their funds had yet to be reverted to their estates. And then in addition to this, the current account regularly dropped below the amount that is the property of these residents. And at times residents would not have been able to access their money. And this suggests that their money was being used to support the day-to-day -day operations of the residential center then. So these residents' money, it should have been protected in a separate bank account so that this could obviously not happen. There were some orange findings then in relation to protection that I've pulled up here. So safeguarding measures, including safety checks and safety alarms, which had been prescribed in safeguarding plans were not applied diligently to ensure the safety of vulnerable residents. And inspectors found that one safeguarding concern had not been recognized or investigated appropriately. So inspectors were informed that peer-to-peer -peer incidents were not recognized as abuse. And so they were not notified then to the chief inspector. So it's not just um, abuse in relation to staff to, and residents that need to be notified to the HICWA. Most cases of abuse are actually peer-to-peer -peer resident abuse. So this needs to be documented as an incident, reported to HICWA within the, the three days and notified appropriately, and then investigated with the appropriate measures taken to ensure the safety of those residents. So we'll look at fire precautions next. Um, we're still seeing very high knock compliances here, 55% knock compliant of the 20 assessed against this regulation. Some findings then. So there were eight oxygen cylinders being stored in the treatment room. Three cylinders were loose and at risk of damage if knocked over. And there was no fire extinguisher present at the oxygen storage area. So oxygen storage, it, it always comes up. Um, maybe have a review of HICWA's fire safety handbook and just check that 
oxygen is stored as outlined in it. Um, when I reviewed the different reports as well, I noticed that gas detection and shut off procedures were coming up quite frequently. So I've pulled out a few of the examples here. Um, inspectors were not assured as regards to the level of gas detection in the laundry area as a gas detector could not be found. The procedure in relation to shutting off the gas in the event of a gas leak was unclear to staff. And there was a lack of signage to indicate the location of the gas valve in the kitchen. So it's definitely worth taking a look over your emergency procedures for um, what to do if you have a gas leak. OK, and um, that's if you have gas, of course, in the centre. Inspectors noted that a fire blanket in the smoking area was undersized for its intended use. Uh, peeps were only available on the electronic system and therefore not readily accessible. Um, while staff did have their fire safety training, not all staff were knowledgeable on the fire safety procedures and they were not confident in using an evacuation chair. So this goes back to Regulation 16 training and staff development. It's not enough just that staff receive the training. Staff need to be knowledgeable in the fire safety procedures and the equipment that they would be required to use in the event of a fire. This finding here is in relation to fire drills at night time. So inspectors were not assured that adequate staffing resources were available during nighttime hours to evacuate all persons. So there were three staff members on duty for 44 residents, but the inspectors were not assured that if there was a fire in one area that required evacuation, the residents in the rest of the center then being adequately supervised during this time. And then this combined with the layout of the centre, the resources required to evacuate the largest compartment and the requirement for a staff member to meet the fire brigade. So all of this resulted in inspectors not being assured that all residents could be safely evacuated at night time. Regulation 17 premises, 55% not compliant of 20 assessed. Very high not compliances here in Regulation 17 as we usually see. Um, I had to include this first one. Floor coverings were uneven and torn and walls were visibly chipped, cracked and damaged. It just it comes up in nearly every report you look at that is not compliant uh, findings under premises. HICWA will say it if the premises are in need of any repair or maintenance. Uh, the external grounds were not appropriately maintained and the ground was uneven and posed a tripping hazard. Um, and some external areas did not provide suitable boundary security as they were not adequately fenced off for a neighbouring gelling. So as a result, residents could potentially wander off the residential home grounds then without knowing. This next finding came up a few times. Um, in a twin bedroom, one bed was placed against the wall where the only window was located. And then if this resident pulled their privacy curtain, the other resident in the room then did not have access to the natural light from this window. So this does not promote resident choice. And one resident in the twin room then is limited in their access to natural light from the window. Inspectors observed discrepancy in the registered floor plans and the statement of purpose. So for example, a communal toilet was converted to a staff toilet and room measurements did not match the floor plans. Adequate storage for equipment was not available. I know this can be a very difficult problem to address in some centres, but in this example here, wheelchairs were in the along the corridor. This blocked access to the handrails and then residents restri were restricted in their movement around the centre. So the knock-on effect there. 
um, there was inadequate communal space for the number of residents living in the centre. So there was only one combined sitting and dining room, which was not adequate for 17 residents, and many residents were seen in their bedroom during the day. So if Hick received residents in bed during the day, this will prompt them to ask why. Is it that it's the resident's choice or are they being limited in some way by the environment or some other factor? We'll move on then to Regulation 12, per personal possessions. Still high knock compliances here, 30%. Um, these findings are in relation to twin bedrooms. Um, I did notice that twin bedrooms seem to come up a lot in the reports under a few different regulations. So here, residents in some twin bedrooms had limited access uh, to space to store their clothes. So the wardrobes were actually half the size of those in the single bedrooms, and then the clothes were packed tightly. Um, the wardrobes were a lot along a wall outside the residents' bed space, so then they could not maintain control over their personal possessions. And residents did not have a suitable surface or shelf to display their personal photographs, and then they were actually using the window ledges to place their photographs on. Regulation 9, residents' rights, 29% not compliant of the 21 assessed. So nearly all 25 reports that I reviewed were actually inspected against residents' rights. It's definitely a big focus of HICWA. Um, the registered provider had failed to provide sufficient opportunities for residents to participate in activities in accordance with their interests and capacities. So residents spent the majority of the day in one day room without supervision, stimulation or interaction. A resident had been relocated from a single room to a multi-occupancy room to facilitate staff supervision. And there was no evidence of consultation with the residents either documented in their notes or from discussion with the resident. So this does not facilitate the residents right then to choose where they wish to live. And there was a practice in the center of allocating single rooms to respite patients. So this did not promote the rights or preferences of long stay residents then if they wanted to live in those single bedrooms. Consultation with residents required to be enhanced, so there was a lack of feedback obtained at residence meetings and then a lack of compliance with the centre's monthly satisfaction centre as per the audit, the centre's own audit schedule. Um, a resident for which the registered provider acted as a pension agent did not receive a statement of the balance of their account, so they didn't have knowledge of their finances, but more than that, they didn't have access to advocacy to assist them in this process. So we actually spoke about HICWA's resources on the fundamentals of advocacy the last time we did this webinar. It might be worth having a read over it, the information again on HICWA's website. There's some good information there on advocacy. Um, inspectors were not assured that all residents had a choice and that their consent was sought and documented in respect to the additional social charges that were introduced. So additional charges were introduced and then residents, it wasn't documented that they were consulted on this and that they consented. Regulation 6, healthcare, 21% uh, not compliant here. So this is actually much higher than we usually see in this regulation when we do the report. So I'll spend a little bit of time here. Um, a high standard of evidence-based nursing care in accordance with professional guidelines was not provided to residents regarding their wound care. So descriptions such as wound edge, exudate or wound size were not recorded. 
Um, wound care actually came up in a few different reports and all the findings were in documentation and progress notes. Uh, so then it can be determined whether or not a wound is improving. Um, inspectors found that where the resident experienced weight loss, this information was not recognized and followed up with appropriate action. So the malnutrition universal screening tool assessment was not calculated correctly and there was no further professional expertise sought from the dietitian. So it is important to have a clear policy and procedure to guide staff on how to escalate if residents are losing weight and to guide staff when to make referrals and that they are made to health and social care professionals if they are required. While repositioning was referenced in care plans, um, the care plans did not detail how frequently the repositioning was required. The pressure relieving mattress to be used or the pressure it should be set at was not referenced in the residence care plans. So then when inspectors reviewed the settings on the pressure relieving mattress, mattress they found that it significantly exceeded the recommend settings for their individual body weights and then this poses a significant risk then to those residents skin integrity there's a few findings here on in relation to referrals so referrals need to be actively followed up on and this needs to be documented so you can see this in the findings so referrals sent by the PIC four months previously required a reviewed for a physiotherapist, they had been returned to the centre without appointment. Uh, two residents referred for urgent seating assessments by the occupational therapist had not been followed up on, and residents did not have access to specialist services of psychiatry and clinical neuropsychology, even though there is evidence that this was required. So ensure that when referrals are followed up on, this is documented in the residence record because it's not documented, then when HICWA come in, it doesn't look like it's been followed up on and then you get not compliant. Regulation 21 infection control, so 19% not compliant. That's actually big improvements here in relation to IPC compared to in the last few reports that we have done. So that's great to see. Um, some of the findings, though, that are still coming up, so in relation to antimicrobial stewardship here, there was no evidence of antimicrobial stewardship, quality improvement initiatives, audits, guidelines or training. There was no appropriately qualified IPC link practitioner to promote good IPC practices and increase awareness of IPC and the surveillance of multi-drug resistant organisms was not undertaken. So staff didn't know what residents were colonized with MDROs and then there was maybe inappropriate precautions then could be used for some of these residents. Facilities to support effective hand hygiene were not appropriate. So for example, some wall-mounted hand sanitizer dispensers were refillable and sinks were dual purpose for use for both residents and staff, which is inappropriate. And the risk assessment for a new piece of equipment did not include the specific cleaning and disinfection required. And the bedpan washer was actually out of order on the day of the inspection. And then there were no alternative instructions or cleaning chemicals available for staff. So therefore staff could be using the incorrect cleaning and disinfectant processes to manually clean the bedpans and urinals. So make sure you do have a contingency plan in place for when equipment is out of order and staff know what to do. 
So I've gone over the key not compliant findings that have come up in the inspection reports. Uh, but before we finish up, I'm just going to take a quick look at the restrictive practice thematic inspections released by HICWA so far. So I'm sure you're all aware HICWA restrictive practice thematic inspections started in June of this year. And the focus is on quality improvement in the area of restrictive practice. So we took a look at 12 of the restrictive practice thematic inspection reports from July and August. And of these 12 reports, three of these, so about 25%, were substantially compliant. Um, we had a look at these reports and pulled together a few of the things that HICWA are looking at. So there was a big focus on reducing the use of bed rails. Uh, there were 11 residents with bed rails in place on the day of the inspection. And that despite the focus on reducing restraint, there was no significant reduction in the number of residents using bed rails in the previous 12 months. So inspectors want to see evidence of action to reduce or eliminate restrictive practices then where possible. The documentation around informed consent for bed rails could be improved to ensure that all individuals are aware of the risks and that all information is provided. So it's so important that informed consent is clearly documented and that there's evidence of MDT and family involvement documented as well. Two beds were noted to have metal bed rails attached to the side of the bed. So these were not up and staff stated that they were never put up but they were not on the restrictive practice register. And then inspectors discovered that the beds have been changed and old bed rails had not been removed then. So it's important that these types of bed rails are only put up following a full documented risk assessment. Uh, the auditing process required review as there was almost 100% compliance, which did not correlate with the observations of the inspector. So we had this as a finding as well in the main report under governance and management. HICWA keep coming back to this one. Audits need to be effective. There's no point in completing audits if they're not finding the non-compliances. Uh, services can't be reliant on HICWA to come in and tell them what's wrong. They need to proactively identify these areas by themselves and then implement quality improvement plans then. Um, so complaints notice was on display, but the procedure had not been updated in line with recent guidance. So HICWA are looking at the complaints process as part of the restrictive practice thematic inspections. Um, and the complaints policy needs to be reflective of the new legislation in relation to complaints from last year. And we have discussed this in a previous webinar if you want to go back and take a look. Um, not all staff had attended training in the areas of complex behavior and safeguarding. And there was only one residence meeting since October 2022. Uh, so these reports are from July or August. So that was nearly a year without a residence meeting. And some residence meeting, there was no documented evidence that residents' queries and suggested had been followed up on. Therefore, it was unclear if these suggested items had been addressed. And then just a few other areas that HICWA looked at. So residents' choice and positive risk-taking. So inspectors wanted to see residents engaging in activities of their choosing that had an element of positive risk-taking. So examples that HICWA mentioned, uh, they included walking into the local town daily or residents enjoying the outdoor garden areas on their own at any time of their choosing without the need for staff supervision. 
And then in relation to mealtimes and modified diets, in some reports, HICWA discussed the potential of modified diets and special diets as a practice that could be restrictive. So a report actually praised how a resident who struggled to follow a diabetic diet was recorded in the restrictive practice register and that a positive risk-taking care plan for that resident provided clear guidance to staff on what to do when the resident makes an informed choice to have something sweet. So that actually brings me to the end of this morning's webinar. So we had a review of the 25 HICWA inspection reports, and then we reviewed some of the restrictive practice thematic inspections. Um, I hope you could take some learnings from this today and some ideas about how improvements can be made. Um, I know Rosemary will make the slides available to you following this morning's webinar. Um, so just a flag up to you that HCI Care Tools is available. It's an online store where you can purchase everything you need um, and it's all evidence-based documentation. So it has policies and procedures in relation to the guidelines, standards um, and regulations. Uh, Rosemary has kindly detailed that there's a coupon code for 10% off documents purchased before the 3rd of November. So this is a great opportunity to have a look at what we can offer. Um, you can also contact info at hci.care. Uh, do contact with us if you have any queries or questions about today and um, we'll be more than happy to have a chat with you. And so I think we'll wrap it up there. Uh, thank you everyone for taking the time to listen this morning. I hope you got something out of it. And this webinar has been recorded so it will be available to listen back to on our social media channels. Um, and we'll be back again soon with another topic of interest to discuss. So thank you very much everyone.